0: It's right I don't O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal-clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? and from the King James for the Brit, Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Vayetzi, and it means, And he went out. Genesis 28, 10-22 Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land, I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is! It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means House of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshipping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything He gives me. Ezekiel 16.42-17.24 to 17, 24 that at last my Lord's fury against you will be spent, and my jealous anger will subside. I will be calm and will not be angry with you any more. But first, because you have not remembered your youth, but have anchored me by doing all these evil things, I will fully repay you for all your sins, says the Sovereign Lord. For you have added lewd acts to all your detestable sins, Everyone who makes up Proverbs will say of you, Like mother, like daughter. For your mother loathed her husband and her children, and so do you. And you are exactly like your sisters, for they despise their husbands and their children. Truly your mother was a Hittite, and your father an Amorite. Your older sister was Samaria, who lived with her daughters in the north. Your younger sister was Sodom, who lived with her daughters in the south. But you have not merely sinned as they did. You quickly surpassed them in corruption. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, Sodom and her daughters were never as wicked as you and your daughters. Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and needy suffered outside her door. She was proud and committed detestable sins, so I wiped her out, as you have seen. Even Samaria did not commit half your sins. You have done far more detestable things than your sisters ever did. They seem righteous compared to you. Shame on you. Your sins are so terrible that you make your sisters seem righteous, even virtuous. But someday I will restore the fortunes of Sodom and Samaria, and I will restore you too. Then you will be truly ashamed of everything you have done, for your sins make them feel good in comparison. Yes, your sisters, Sodom and Samaria, and all their people will be restored, and at that time you also will be restored. In your proud days you held Sodom in contempt, but now your greater wickedness has been exposed to all the world, and you are the one who is scorned by Edom and all her neighbors and by Philistia. This is your punishment for all your lewdness and detestable sins, says the Lord. Now this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will give you what you deserve, for you have taken your solemn vows lightly by breaking your covenant. Yet I will remember the covenant I made with you when you were young, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Then you will remember with shame all the evil you have done. I will make your sisters Samaria and Sodom to be your daughters, even though they are not part of our covenant. And I will reaffirm my covenant with you and you will know that I am the Lord. You will remember your sins and cover your mouth in silent shame when I forgive you of all that you have done. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give this riddle and tell this story to the people of Israel. Give them this message from the Sovereign Lord. A great eagle with broad wings and long feathers covered with many-colored plumage came to Lebanon. He seized the top of a cedar tree and plucked off its highest branch. He carried it away to a city filled with merchants. He planted it in a city of traders. He also took a seedling from the land and planted it in fertile soil. He placed it beside a broad river where it could grow like a willow tree. It took root there and grew into a low spreading vine. Its branches turned up toward the eagle and its roots grew down into the ground. It produced strong branches and put out shoots. But then another great eagle came with broad wings and full plumage. So the vine now sent its roots and branches toward him for water, even though it was already planted in good soil and had plenty of water, so it could grow into a splendid vine and produce rich leaves and luscious fruit. So now the Sovereign Lord asks, Will this vine grow and prosper? No, I will pull it up. Roots and all, I will cut off its fruit and let its leaves wither and die. I will pull it up easily without a strong arm or a large army. But when the vine is transplanted, will it thrive? No, it will wither away when the east wind blows against it. It will die in the same good soil where it had grown so well. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Say to these rebels of Israel, Don't you understand the meaning of this riddle of the eagles? The king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, took away her king and princes, and brought them to Babylon. He made a treaty with a member of the royal family and forced him to take an oath of loyalty. He also exiled Israel's most influential leaders, so Israel would not become strong again and revolt. Only by keeping her treaty with Babylon could Israel survive. Nevertheless, this man of Israel's royal family rebelled against Babylon, sending ambassadors to Egypt to request a great army and many horses. Can Israel break her sworn treaties like that and get away with it? No. For as surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, the King of Israel will die in Babylon, the land of the king who put him in power and whose treaty he disregarded and broke. Pharaoh and all his mighty army will fail to help Israel when the king of Babylon lays siege to Jerusalem again and destroys many lives. For the king of Israel disregarded his treaty and broke it after swearing to obey. Therefore, he will not escape. So this is what the Sovereign Lord says, As surely as I live, I will punish him for breaking my covenant and disregarding the solemn oath he made in my name. I will throw my net over him and capture him in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon and put him on trial for this treason against me. And all his best warriors will be killed in a battle, and those who survive will be scattered to the four winds. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will take a branch from the top of a tall cedar, and I will plant it on the top of Israel's highest mountain. It will become a majestic cedar, sending forth its branches and producing seed. Birds of every sort will nest in it, finding shelter in the shade of its branches. And all the trees will know that it is I, the Lord, who cuts the tall tree down and makes the short tree grow tall. It is I who makes the green tree wither and gives the dead tree new life. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do what I said. Hebrews 8, 1-13 Here is the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too. If he were here on earth, he would not even be a priest since there already are priests who offer the gifts required by the law. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow, of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning, Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. But now Yeshua, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises if the first covenant had been faultless there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it but when God found fault with the people he said the day is coming says the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my Torah in their mind and I will write the Torah on their hearts I will be their God and they will be my people and they will not need to teach their neighbors nor will they need to teach their relatives saying you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. Psalm 106, 13 to 31 Yet how quickly they, the Israelites, forgot what he had done. They wouldn't wait for his counsel. In the wilderness their desires ran wild, testing God's patience in that dry wasteland. So he gave them what they asked for, but he sent a plague along with it. The people in the camp were jealous of Moses and envious of Aaron, the Lord's holy priest. Because of this, the earth opened up. It swallowed Dathan and buried Abiram and the other rebels. Fire fell upon their followers, and a flame consumed the wicked." The people made a calf at Mount Sinai. They bowed before an image made of gold. They traded their glorious God for a statue of grass-eating bull. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done such great things in Egypt, such wonderful things in the land of Ham, such awesome deeds at the Red Sea. So he declared he would destroy them. But Moses, his chosen one, stepped between the Lord and the people. He begged begged him to turn from his anger and not destroy them. The people refused to enter the pleasant land, for they wouldn't believe his promise to care for them. Instead, they grumbled in their tents and refused to obey the Lord. Therefore, he solemnly swore that he would kill them in the wilderness, that he would scatter their descendants among the nations, exiling them to distant lands. Then our ancestors joined in the worship of Baal at Peor. They even ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They angered the Lord with all these things, so a plague broke out among them. But Phinehas had the courage to intervene, and the plague was stopped. So he has been regarded as a righteous man ever since that time. Proverbs 27, 7-9 A person who is full refuses honey, but even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. A person who strays from home is like a bird that strays from its nest. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. I want to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Genesis 28, and then we're going to jump into Hebrews chapter 8. And I want to zoom in on verse 11, and we'll start with verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba, and he set out for Haran. Verse 11, he came upon a certain place and stopped there for the night, for the sun had set Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and he lay down in that place. And in that place, that is where he had this dream and he saw this ladder and he saw angels ascending and descending. And he said, surely God is in this place. Now, the Israel Bible commentary to verse 11 is really interesting. And it is, this is what it says. Where is the place that Jacob slept? American Congregational Rabbi David Stovsky explained in one of his High Holy Day sermons that the word, the Hebrew word used in this verse is bo makam, upon the place, and not be makam, upon a place. The use of the definite article means this refers to the most important spot in the entire world. As Rabbi Stofsky said, Jacob came upon the place where Jacob's father, Isaac, and his grandfather, Abraham, had built an altar. The place where Isaac was bound to the altar, the place which for centuries has tied us to Hashem, Hamakom, the place, was Mount Moriah, eventually to become the heart and soul of Jerusalem. And it was as if a magnet had drawn young Jacob to wander the hot Mesopotamian desert that night to that particular place. And, dear friends, I dare say that whatever force pulled Jacob to that place that night pulls you and me to that place. It is a deep, mystical pull. It is holiness. Continuing on, let's take a look at now at verse 17. Where it is written, Shaken, he said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the abode of Hashem, and that is the gateway to heaven. Again, I want to read the commentary from the Israel Bible, because again, there's a real insight here that I want you to hear. So this is what it says, According to Rashi, these words refer to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. He explains that the foot of the ladder in Jacob's dream, was in Beersheba, and that's to the south, and its head was in Bethel. Therefore, the middle of the ladder hung over Mount Moriah, and the intensity of the encounter with Hashem occurred in that spot. When Jacob awakens, he realizes that he has seen no ordinary place but the abode of Hashem, the most intimate spot for prayers to ascend heavenward, and the site where Beit HaMikdash, the temple, would later stand. The Beit HaMikdash is referred to here as abode or house, because the temple, Hashem's revealed presence, the Shekinah, dwells with His people, just as a husband dwells intimately with his wife in their home. So now I want to jump into Hebrews chapter 8. And in Hebrews chapter 8, we are hearing some language about the first covenant and the new covenant. And this has been much misunderstood and misaligned in mainstream Christianity, because as this has been misinterpreted, People have said, well, the first covenant, the covenant that Moses made with the people at Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, it's been done away with. It's inferior. It's been replaced by Jesus. Now we don't follow the Torah anymore. Now we follow the Holy Spirit. That's the essence of replacement theology. And the roots of that and the fruit of it is very, very evil. And that's not at all what this passage is saying. So let's take a look at it. Verse 7, if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have not been a need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he didn't find fault with the Torah. He found fault with the people. Okay, and he goes on to say in verse 9, they did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them. Verse 10, but this is, is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my Torah in their mind, and I will write my Torah on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. So the Torah has not been done away with. The problem was with the hearts of the people, and so the Lord is dealing with that. So, actually, when the Ten Commandments were given, they were written upon stone, and actually, that's a Ramez hint. It's hinting at the condition of the people's hearts. Their hearts were hearts of stone, and they couldn't receive the covenant and act upon it and live it out in their life. What did they do while he was up on the mountain? They built a golden calf and called that golden calf Yahweh. So, God had to deal with the condition of the people's hearts. And so in this new covenant, he's giving them a new heart, a heart of flesh, and the Torah is going to be written upon their heart. Here's the best analogy that I can think of. Let's say you have um, the Ten Commandments, and they're on a USB stick. So uh, Moses goes up to the mountain, and God gives him the uh, the Ten Commandments on a USB stick. And he comes down to the people, and what do the people have? They have a record player. A record player cannot play or produce information with a USB stick. It needs a record. So the condition of their hearts was stone. Their hearts, all they could do was play records, because all they had was a record player. So what God needed to do was do something with the receivers of his covenant. And so instead of there being record player, he needed to give them a USB port. So once you have a USB port, now you can put the USB stick in the port, and now you can open it up and look at the file and play the music or read the document and read what it says. So God had to take the record player out of us, the heart of stone, and give us a heart of flesh, put in a USB port, So we could receive his information, his law, his Torah, his covenant. And it was a ketubah, a marriage covenant is what it was. So the Torah has not been done away with. The people's hearts had to be changed so that we could receive it. So Abba Father, I pray that you will keep our hearts soft and tender and yielded and surrendered to you. May our hearts not grow cold or hardened. I know, Father, that sometimes we get beat up in this world and people wound us and people hurt us, people disappoint us, people reject us. And if we don't forgive, we can become bitter and hard and cold. Father, I pray that we will be people of forgiveness, that we will forgive others, and that our heart is forever and always inclined towards you, and that you would continue to write your Torah, your word, upon our heart, day by day, line upon line, precept upon precept, and, Father, help us to apply it to our daily lives. Help us to walk it out and to live it out, that we would become like a living Torah scroll, that others could look upon our lives and read what's there and see Yeshua in us. I ask it in Yeshua's name. Amen. Vish Mareka Yaye Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Yisa Adonai